0: Oh, we're on air. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of Rated E4 Educational. If you've ever thought that there's not enough karate in your classrooms, then this is the show for you. Today we are reviewing the movie Dangerous Minds. My name is Daniel Cohen, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amy Cotton. Hi, everyone. Uh, Amy, you enjoy this movie. (laughs) Why? Was that an accusation? Yep. You know, when this movie came up in the list, I thought, well, I'm surprised it took this long. This is one that I just remember always having been there as a really good movie with a really annoying song <laughs> <laughs> because i think like me you've been singing gangster's paradise all week around the office
1: oh yeah i'm known for my rapping skills it's amazing <laughs> it's been a true delight for everyone
0: who listened um just before we get into the movie there is a story that i'd like to share about gangster's paradise so i went on a on my honeymoon when i got married And we went out for uh, we went to uh, Vanuatu, and the place we were staying, we just said, "Oh, can you recommend somewhere for dinner?" So the lady that ran their hotel motel we were staying uh, recommended a little restaurant down the main street, and she said, "Oh, go there. They've got some live music. It's really romantic there." So we went there, and it was two middle-aged men. Mm singing mm-hmm. top 40 pop songs mm-hmm. one of them was just singing with the microphone the other had a casio keyboard that he was sitting there playing <laughs> and we were sitting there going oh yeah ah, oh, that's lovely it's it's not quite what we were expecting but yeah that's great it's like a couple of buskers it's it fits what we've expected about this experience so far. And so we're listening to all this beautiful romantic music, and then we're mid-conversation and we just hear, as I walk through the valley of the show, and <laughs> my wife and I have just kind of stopped mid-sentence and gone, yeah, romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And the first thing I thought of when they started singing was this movie. So, it's been planted in my head for a long time. I think the first time I saw this was uh, when it was first on TV, uh, when I was uh, young. Uh, When's the first time you saw this movie?
1: Yeah, I think it must have been TV
0: as well. Because I reckon before this week, that's the last time I'd seen it too.
1: I think... It was shown to us during our teaching program at university. Yep. Yeah. Um, as a, I'm going to watch different depictions of teaching, uh, sort of extracurricular thing. Yeah. And I'm being a nerd, I turned up.
0: <laughs> no, I think I saw this when it was on telly once when I was young and then again last week and that's it. Mm. Um, but it's always been there in the back of my head as this film that was great. Yeah. So it's been interesting going over it perspective uh, for this podcast.
1: Yeah, and um, an odd 20 extra years' worth of um,
0: culture. <laughs> and experience in education too. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it is interesting revisiting it. Daniel, why don't you take us through the trivia surrounding this film?
0: Absolutely. So, uh, so this was based on a book uh, titled My Posse Don't Do Homework, uh, which was an autobiography by a retired US Marine named Luann Johnson. Uh, so before this week, I had no idea that, number one, there was a book, number two, there was an autobiography, and that they kept the name and occupation the same for the film. So that was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> um, this movie came out in 1995 with a budget of $23 million, uh, and it made... 84 million at the domestic box office. It came out at the same time as Toy Story, and Apollo 13, and Jumanji. What a year! Yeah, great year. Outbreak seven. Um, so some great movies, but that was the same kind of era. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer actually won Favorite Actress at the Blockbuster Awards for this.
1: Is blockbuster a thing.
0: It was then. (laughs) Uh, Maybe they had too many awards and they couldn't afford all the statues. um, So before I carry on with the trivia, I just want to highlight um, Erin Ma, who is our film analyst, uh, she, (laughs) in her notes, provided one comment. Michelle Pfeiffer sitting in front of a giant platter of nachos just bamboozles me. And I really noticed the difference between our occupations in that moment because that's exactly how I sit when I'm trying to do marking.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was very realistic. And <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, her character all the way through was eating candy bars and all yeah, sorts of absolutely. things. Yeah, absolutely. It
0: was great. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just a bit of context about when this came out. Um In 1995, when this was released, uh, Bill Clinton, President of the US at that point, um, invoked emergency powers to extend a $20 billion loan to help Mexico avert financial collapse. Um, The first African American and Britain respectively walked in space. Uh, And in March of that year, uh, Mississippi ratified the 13th Amendment Becoming the last state to approve the abolition, uh, sorry, the abolition of slavery. Uh, what the the amendment was nationally ratified in 1865. However, it didn't make it official until 20, 000, uh, 2013. So it had been done; it just hadn't gone through the formal political process in. Mississippi. Yeah, they just so, forgot to do it. Yeah, yeah. they mm-hmm. forgot to do it, but they did do it. That's the. This is a good news story. They did ratify it, and it was around the same time that this film came out. Um. That same year was the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, where 168 people were killed at the Alfred P. Murrah building. Mm. Um, And there was another Unabomber attack, uh, which killed Gilbert Murray in Sacramento. Um, And that very same year was the great trial of OJ Simpson, where he was eventually acquitted of a double murder at the end of that year. Um, On a broader scale, a peace treaty was signed later that year in Paris uh, between Bosnia, Serbia and Croatia, ending a three and a half year war. (laughs) Um. So there, there was quite a lot of turmoil around the world, uh, which I think is a really neat reflection of some of the turmoil that was alluded to in this film, um, and certainly uh, Raul, one of the characters, talking about uh, being Mexican, not being trusted, uh, when that very same year twenty billion loan was given to Mexico to their There are some social issues that are uh, well, reflected this film. Um, some other news, the film was originally going to be called uh, the same name as the book, My Posse Don't Do Homework. Uh, and this film was released under Michelle Pfeiffer's production company. Uh, and the movie's success uh, bolstered her reputation as an actress and producer. And there were some scenes that I always thought were a bit odd, and having seen this trivia gathered for us. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was actually pregnant during production, so as with most movies, it was filmed out of sequence. Um, but you can see there are some moments where she's wearing really baggy clothes or carrying a rather large bag mm. to hide the um, the baby bump. Oh, okay. so yeah, there are some moments where she's looking a bit cash, but you know that's what it was for. So Amy, there was. Yeah, there's a lot of. There are a few themes that are reflected in this film from what was going on in the world at that time. Um, so that seems like a good opportunity for you to share a bit of an outline of the film with us.
1: Great. Yeah, like you said, Luanne Johnson is an ex-marine, and she's also just getting over a breakup with her husband, who we later on find out has been um, abusive to her as well. I think it is interesting that that's an. Something to note because a lot of women actually do go into teaching, or they finish their teaching degrees after women uh, after their marriage breakups. So it's actually a pattern that you see people coming into teaching later on after something else has gone wrong in their lives. Um, what she—that's
0: <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, it's true. No, it's empowering. <laughs> These women are taking control of their lives again. Um, Luanne Johnson comes to the school. Uh, which is in uh, East Palo Alto in California. So that's part of um, San Francisco uh, Valley sort of thing. So it's basically the edges of Silicon Valley these days. She wants to finish her final placement in order to graduate from a teaching degree, but she ends up with a teaching job in an academy class. And I'll come back to that a little bit later. Her interview is a, a practice and deception by the school administration. That's what I think anyway. And her friend and fellow teacher, Hal Griffith, is upset that she has been given this position as a, hasn't even finished her teaching degree, uh, teaching possibly one of the harder classes in the school. But he allows her to go with it after she tells him adamantly that she wants to teach.
2: Did, did she tell, tell you about uh, the Academy program?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, she told me all about it. She said, you know, bright, special kids.
2: Luann.
1: Well, but... I want to teach, Hal. If I have any questions, I'll know who to ask, right? Yeah,
2: I'll be counting on it.
1: As I said, the setting is uh, East Palo Alto. Uh, at the time, it was a lot poorer than it is now. It was a very high African-American um, area at the time. It's sort of shifted now to a more Latino uh population, but there's a lot of very high-tech professionals moving into the area. So, you know, Google, Facebook, those sorts of people moving in. So what we're actually looking at is a a film set in a part of America, which has actually sort of been dissipated for a little bit, but it doesn't mean the issues have gone away. They've just moved to other suburbs, really. Mrs. Ms. Johnson, uh, she initially tries to teach the students in a textbook manner. So she's using assertive discipline techniques. Failing that, she starts to loosen up somewhat and she introduces karate and confrontational grammar lessons. We'll come back to those as well. She gives all the students in the class an A and tells them that they have to all they have to do to keep it is work hard. She then proceeds through a series of exercises where she bribes the students with candy bars, a trip to the fun park, and a dinner at a swanky restaurant. Uh, the students are mainly a mix of African American and Latino kids, and they're all at risk. This is something that we do need to reflect on, because Lou Anne Johnson, the, the real author of the book, has actually said that her class was actually evenly distributed. There were white kids in there as well who were also at risk. So this uh, pulling certain ethnicities out of the classroom does cast a little bit of question on the film. In the course of a teaching, she meets with parents and advocates on behalf of the kids to the school administration. So she's fulfilling that teacher trope of um, you know being the teacher that bucks the system on behalf of the kids. She gets in a lot of trouble with the school administration for teaching karate in the classroom, um, talking about death, and of course not knocking on the principal's door when she goes to talk to him. One of her students, Emilio, gets into a situation where his life is threatened. Mrs Johnson convinces him to hide in a house that night, and then to go to the principal in the morning and ask for help. Emilio, Emilio does go to the principal for help, but of course fails to knock. Is told to leave by the principal, which he does. He's then found dead a few blocks away from the school. From there, Miss Johnson loses her will to teach, but the students remind her that they are still there. And at the end of the film, when she's about to leave the school and go somewhere else to teach, they call her their tambourine man and their light and convince her to stay with flattery along with a candy bar, which seems fitting. And there's a nice little button on the movie. Uh, Yes, so there's the plot
0: Thank you, Amy. For those of you who haven't had the benefit of listening to me babble on before, uh, I used to work in an alternative setting, uh, which was a teaching unit for students who were early high school. Uh, So in Australia, it would be years seven to ten, students were younger than school leaving age. Once students turn, I think, 16, then they're legally allowed to drop out of school. But, in Victoria. Um, in yeah. Victoria, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this unit was there to uh, provide assistance to students who were having trouble uh, engaging with their regular classes. So they'd be referred to the unit. We'd work with them, um, teaching them strategies to resolve their issues and deal with problems and provide support to them in their schools. It's for students who won't stop going to school yet. Um, so year 7 to 10 is roughly 12, 13-year-olds up to about 15, 16-year-olds. Um, and watching this movie, there were lots of similarities that I saw between the work that I did and the themes that were going on, so obviously living in Melbourne, uh, we're not dealing with the same racial issues that were present in this film, and um, I think it's interesting that you highlighted uh, the fact in your rundown. Plus, there are many racial issues. There are many racial issues, but um, the actual physical location has changed now because of the way that area has developed. But those racial issues are still there. And while here in, in my little spot in Melbourne, Victoria, there are different racial issues, there are still many themes
2: that are quite
0: similar. Um, so, yeah.
1: Well, I want to jump in and talk a little bit about some things that the film leaves a bit unsaid and presumes that you would know as an audience member, but they are incredibly particular to America. Uh, one of them is the desegregation busing program, uh, which is depicted in the beginning of the film, but it's very clear what's going on because it starts with the grainy black and white uh, film showing four areas of this, um yeah. and they all get on a school bus and then um, they are bused through a richer area to go to school. And it's whilst they are moving through the richer area that the film gains colour, um, which is a little bit of a um, slap in the face commentary about um, the the differences between the two worlds. But I'm not entirely sure that um, it's not a racist technique (laughs) of showing hopelessness only in those areas where the kids come from and only positivity colour and light in the more white areas of America. So that film technique really um, made me cringe a little bit seeing it. I'm not sure if that's what they meant, but that's how it came across. No, no, but
0: you you didn't mention it in your down of the plot. Um, That was mentioned by one of the characters later on in the film where, Mm. I can't remember which character it was, but got angry saying, but you're not bust in. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a direct reference to that, But Not living in that kind of environment American school system, uh, the significance of that's lost on me.
1: Yeah. So just to revisit it a little bit, in 1954, the US Supreme Court uh, made a, a huge, it was a landmark decision, Brown versus the Board of Education, where um, racial segregation of public schools was found to be unconstitutional. And basically, what then followed was... a the states had to start uh, integrating populations so they couldn't have racially segregated schools. In 1963, there was a lawsuit in California, uh, Crawford versus the Board of Education of the city of Los Angeles, uh, which is sort of, even though this um, film is not set in that Board of Education area, it is instructional because in 63 it was found that they need to end segregation in Los Angeles Unified School District. The plan took 15 years to implement after the ruling. So it wasn't until 1978 that we actually started to see the first busing programs occur. Now there's a lot of, um, uh, (laughs) to this day, people are still discussing the pros and cons of a busing program. Um, And we're not going to get really into that, but I, I think it's just, we need to know that background to talk about this film in any particular depth. The other thing we really do need to know about is the Academy program, which is a, a Californian program, although this one is based on a model that was developed in Philadelphia and was introduced in California in the 1980s. I'm very briefly going to go over this. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people who probably know a little bit more about this, particularly as you might be teaching at system. but um, basically for our Australian listeners, what you get in the Academy program is teams of teachers. Who are to work together with at-risk students so both the teachers and the students volunteer to be part of this uh, program uh, which you didn't really get the sense of in this film that the, any of the kids there were volunteers it looked like they were more um bust in and put in this room which might be the reality of him in <laughs> some ways but um the team's of teachers are to work with them and the teachers are supposed to have common planning periods uh, to meet regularly to for example plan uh, program activities in the curriculum or coordinate with business representatives, meet with parents, and discuss student progress. The private sector is heavily involved in this, uh, so they see the academy um, committee. Uh, they also um, help develop the technical curriculum, so what you've got is industry-based curriculum occurring in these academies. They might provide speakers or host field trips for workplaces, provide mentors for the students and, of course, some um, internships and summer jobs, and et cetera, et cetera. So you've got two things happening here. You've got a desegregation uh, bus program going on, but also a an academy program, which really is just mentioned at the beginning, um, and let- after that for the rest of the film? Because you certainly didn't get any sense that the program was functioning
0: in the way it's described. I think that's reflective of a lot of programs. I know there's a number of things that I've seen in schools uh, where you've got these intervention programs for students who are doing academically well. And I've gone to some schools where that program has ended up being a dumping ramp that the other teachers just didn't want to deal with. Mm. And I think that's kind of what this movie was portraying. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's well-intentioned to be a great boost for self-motivated kids. Uh, in practice, it's just, I'm having a problem. There's something that can get this problem away from me and make it someone else's problem, which is disappointing, uh, but it's reality. It's an indication of teachers don't have the skills they need, or the uh, system doesn't have the support it needs um, to ensure that those programs can actually be used the way they were intended.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's clear, because when um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character comes into this film, they dump her on the academy class. There's no training, there's no support, there's no sense that there are any other teachers involved in this program. No
0: training. She didn't even finish her degree. Well, we'll, we'll rush through your registration because we just need bums on seats.
1: You know this is one of my pet peeves. There, there's several programs, and we have programs like this in uh, Teacher Australia, but it's Teacher America is where it's drawn from. Um, and I, I, please, if you're in this program, I'm not intending this as a slight of you, it's a slight of the program itself um, because you're, you're there, you're teaching, you're trying to do the right thing. Um, it's the idea that we would take people with minimal training and put them in what we think are the hardest classes out there and leave them sink or swim teaching style.
0: So I had the benefit of seeing uh, a speech from. Uh, her name escapes me now. One of the ladies who pioneered um, this approach in America, and there were some genuine critical questions coming from the crowd about the justification for why it's done this way. And there were no, there were non-answers coming back from the lady in that particular scenario. Uh, but the, the criticisms were basically: there are students, students who have a particular disadvantages, uh, whether it's academic, social, emotional, physical, um, it takes extra support to give them what they need. Uh, So the idea, it's our most experienced teachers uh, who have a wealth of knowledge, uh, who should be given to those students uh, because they have the history behind them. to address their things adequately. That's not saying that a brand new person who doesn't have a great uh, length of education behind them can't do a job. No, yeah, it's, what it's saying is that the weakest, most uh, students who are in the most precarious position need the people with the most experience to support them. Uh, so that's one of the big criticisms. Um, the other thing is that uh, it's it's a crash course compared to doing a four-year degree. Mm. Um, So there's some good learning that goes on, and there are some very driven, motivated people who go through that program and become great teachers. Um, But the process to go through to come out of that program is much shorter than doing a teaching degree and cannot be as comprehensive as a full degree. Um, So that's another one of the criticisms. The other thing that Has resonated with me about things that are said, things worth repeating, is the idea that um, the -the on-the-job training Mm. students get one shot through school. Yes. So to have someone teaching who's still learning has the potential to create a situation where the kids aren't actually getting that they deserve to get from school institution. Mm. Uh, And so while they may be successful and uh, do great work, um, it's not necessarily fair to say, oh, well, you're pretty good kids who can drive yourself, uh, so we'll throw the person who doesn't know much to learn on the job with you because it won't make much difference. Um, The philosophy behind that saying, Ah, oh, well, they'll be okay and they'll learn along the way, kind of says, well, we're disregarding uh, what that student is, is in their education. Uh, and that's one of the points of contention. So, so those, those are the three main areas that I have heard that makes this a, an undesirable program. Uh, and at the end of the day, it comes back to a philosophy of teaching is a really complex, one of the most complex activities a person can engage in. And to do it effectively requires a lot of time and effort. And yes, it, it this take teach for Australia, it is a more costly way of producing a teacher than having someone go through a degree from university, because of nature of the training, the way it's implemented. But um, you know, it's more political than and mm-hmm. There are lots of other powers at me that. So on that, and so I'll stick to the thing that I talk about already, which is my teaching philosophy: value students.
1: <laughs> that, that was a big rollback, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> no, um, no.
1: I thought I was on my horse about that, but not it's, I, it's not as though Michelle Pfeiffer's ca- um, character was actually in the Teach for America program. It's just likening to throwing someone in the deep end with no floaties yeah. at all,
0: and in. You know, In America, and I recognize I'm not American, and as most people who listen to me would. G'day, uh, mate. Yeah. (laughs) How's it going, Colba? I know of charter schools. I know of academies. I know of things that go on in the American education system. There are things that I can talk about philosophically, but I don't have first-hand knowledge of how they actually work, Um, so philosophically reject to the idea that a teacher who gets their registration rushed through and then gets dumped into everyone else doesn't want to deal with it. I think it's a horrible message to send to the students, the community, yes, teaching staff, and the education community in general.
1: And that's why I actually do like this film, because yep. it does show warm body placement as what schools do. They they get they see a warm body. They see somebody who doesn't know enough to say, hey, I, I don't think I'm, I'm capable or should be doing this job. And the film depicts them putting them in regardless and with no support mechanism. So I, I quite um, respect the film for showing that part of education.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So in general, having Consciously seen this movie twice. I think it's a pretty good film. Um, There's a lot about it that I really relate to as a teacher, as you were just saying, the actually showing what teachers do behind the scenes, like marking and eating a bowl of nachos while doing so. And beer. Yeah, and some extra reading in the evening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lying in bed awake, stressing about what's happening with the students. Like, there are some things about this film that really just go, yeah, that's, that's real, that actually happens. Yeah. Um, but then there's some other things about it, I, the white woman going into the ethnic areas all on her own and, uh, you know...
1: Well, I, I, I don't like that either, the white saviour thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but I was reading an article on the slate called Dangerous Trope by Aisha Harris. And it was interviewing Luanne Johnson 20 years after the film had been uh, premiered. And it was talking about lots of different things, but the mix of the students, which I mentioned just before, wasn't as it was for the real-life classroom. So in the real-life classroom, it was sort of evenly distributed amongst the races. So it wasn't quite the white saviour of different-looking kids. (laughs) Um, as the film made out. Um, so the, the filmmakers consciously made a choice there to depict a particular part of society um, and ignore that um, white kids also, one, are at risk, and two, just because you're black or Hispanic doesn't mean you're at risk. You know? Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: right. mm. um, but, I mean, there were some, I can't help watch it and go, she was really bucking against the system mm. and there were only a couple of moments where she got called to talk to the principal and that was such a standoffish principal as well. Yes, it's, And I know, I think we both have things in our notes to talk about that particular interaction between them. Um, but a principal, it's that thing about the principal being the administrator. Yeah, there are some principals who hide in their office and you don't see much of them, but this just seemed to be somewhat exaggerated and there was a lot about it that was just exaggerated. Um, but she should put herself in some awkward positions, yep. and and I know that you definitely have a few things to say about some of those, <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there was a lot that you just kind of go, oh, not, not like that, but then that's evenly balanced with, that's really true. Yeah. So, and again, my experience being at the teaching unit, um, there are some pretty awkward situations that rang true, but the response to the kids, gee, they turn their life around quickly, very quickly. Yeah, and so it's it's hard to do a movie that actually represents with some real accuracy what the socio-economic struggles are without it being documentary. But gee, this did a pretty good job of actually highlighting some issues that don't get attention.
1: Yeah, and the film's received a lot of uh, critical uh, bashing uh, over the years. I don't think it is as bad as what some of them make it out to be. It it abbreviates stories. It um, It it definitely, the Emilio storyline is twee and, um, like, you know, the the whole, um, like, there was no need for that character to die. There
2: there was, (laughs) you know,
1: like, and the way the film ends is rushed and and very, very twee. But there's a lot in the front half of the film, which I think is actually valuable and interesting that it took the time. With some of those things, and yet abbreviated other things. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: so yeah, but maybe we should talk about um, the beginning of the film, where where she's she's hired um, that hiring oh, process, the
0: induction process, the induction process, the non-existent induction process. Gosh, she was lucky
1: to have a friend, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Let's throw you in. There you go. You'll be all
2: right. Miss Johnson, I'll, I'll cut
0: to the chase.
2: <clears throat> one of our uh, academy teachers, Mrs. Shepard, left, and since then we've had three substitute teachers. The last one, Mrs. Gingrich, fell ill just this morning. So we have a full-time position. We need to fill it now. I, um, full-time? Yes. I'm sorry. Um, I thought this was an interview to uh,
3: to, to student teach. Well, uh, w- 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 um, what is a what what is an
2: academy teacher? Uh, well, the academy is. Uh, Sort of a school within a school. Uh, special kids, passionate, energetic, challenging. <laughs> the, uh, salary is, is 24-7 a year. Are you interested?
3: Yes, I, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful.
2: That, great, great. Okay, so, oh, well, so... Uh, these these are for you, uh, curriculum, schedule, and uh, whatnot. And if
0: you would just follow me. You know, on that, there was one thing I noticed. As she's walking down the hallway with her friend Hal, mm-hmm. not with anyone from the administration, just, ah, uh, down that way, your friend can show you.
3: I guess Miss Shepherd's lesson plans will be in her desk.
2: <laughs> Very possibly. <laughs> This is your classroom.
3: Noisy bunch, aren't they?
2: Yes, but if you stand there long enough, they'll usually quiet down. Don't try and shout over them.
3: Right. Uh, Thanks.
2: Luann. I'm right next door.
0: Thanks. I guess Miss Shepherd's lesson plans will be in her desk. Yeah. Now, it's fair to say that she thought she was just going to chat about a student teacher position, not get thrown a job, but I, correct me if I'm wrong, they said, we want you to start Monday. Mm. So then she hasn't walked out of the office straight to class, she's come back on Monday With no lesson plans. So there's no planning that's gone in. There's no induction. There's no tour of what's going on around. It's Mm -hmm. just, there's a few, it it, it didn't feel right.
1: I don't think that was true. I think even in the worst, the most poorly run schools, they would. That wouldn't
0: happen. Someone would actually walk into the classroom.
1: Oh, I think someone would walk into the classroom, but they would also sit down. And, uh, she was just sort of thrust. Here's the curriculum. Here's yeah. policy. Here's a few things that was thrust at her. At least she got that. But uh, nobody actually ever talked her through the program or
0: meet things, the teacher things like work with. the start time. Start time. Here's the. She plans. walked in. All the students are already in class yeah, doing she, whatever. She was late. But then on <laughs> other days, she walked through the yard. And everyone wasn't in yet, like the, the Tuesday.
1: Well, she probably yes. worked out what the start time was by the second day.
0: But then third day, she was back past the start time again. You go, oh, you know, there's little things like what time to turn up that should be included in a induction process. <laughs> um,
1: she was very lucky that one of her best friends is a teacher in the next room.
0: Yeah, that, that's convenient <laughs> too. It was convenient, yeah. wasn't it? Geography. <laughs>
1: I, I do like her first lesson. Should we talk about her first lesson at all?
0: Yeah, absolutely. What happened to Miss Shepherd? Oh no, she ain't asking
3: about
2: Miss Trifling Ass Shepherd. You playing yourself? Playing yourself? Yo 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 yo! Listen up! Y'all listen up! White bread wanna know what happened to Miss Shepherd?
0: He killed the bitch.
2: Kick hey, it, kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it! Hey, I was beginning to let the boot! die! And maybe the waiter. Bullshit. That bitch was too ugly to eat. I fed her to my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll eat you.
3: What is your name? Emilio Ramirez.
1: Um, she gets into that lesson and-
0: Can I point out, I really felt for her because oh,
1: We've all been there, <laughs> yeah. I started off as a casual teacher, a substitute or emergency teacher, wherever you are, listing lots of different words for that. Um, I've been there in a very, very tough school, Yep, thrust in, no lesson plan, nothing, very, very green teacher.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was one of those things where you kind of go, yeah, it's obvious you don't have any experience because none of the kids are even the front So just no riding on the board. I'll just go ahead with my lesson and they'll all just turn and start paying attention because it's school and that's what you're meant to do. And you go, yeah, no, that didn't work. So... And then the challenge. And
1: the challenge, you mean Amelia when he stepped up?
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, one of the things that is a pedantic detail, uh, but I'll say it anyway, she was a US Marine mm. and what's supposed to be a high school, so Emilio is meant to be, what, 15, 16, maybe 17? Yeah, 16-ish. Yeah, yeah. so a 16-year-old kid mm. comes up to US Marine mm. That looked a lot more like a uh, mid-twenties guy cornering a mm-hmm. little one in an alley. Yeah. So, yeah, it was portrayed in a way to um, exaggerate, but that didn't look like a US Marine responding to a threat.
1: It really didn't. Her eye work. And, uh,
0: and I, I, what a fabulous actor.
1: Yeah. It, it, it was the right reaction to have. For somebody who wasn't a U.S. Marine previously, yeah, that's <laughs> any right. other teacher, any other female in that situation, and look, I've been the young uh, female teacher, and some of those young men, even in year 10, year 11, year 12, they are quite intimidating, they're yeah. intimidating, uh, and when they <laughs> step up to you like I'm that... I'm not
0: female, and I've been intimidated. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, you, you can have those moments, and you've really got to focus on I steady. There's no... No cringe, chin up, all of those things. You would think as a US Marine that she would have that because yeah, not right. only has she been a US Marine, she's been a woman in the US Marine and has had to fight those battles already. Yeah. She's
0: got experience in that. So yeah, experience. Yeah. She looked like a kid that's just graduated college, his first day in a teaching position. Oh my God, I'm scared about But yeah, it just didn't quite fit. But in the grand scheme of things, that was one of the smaller details that I had an issue
1: with. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I had an issue just with in terms of character development. I thought it did depict what young women teachers might go through. Yeah, absolutely. Just a US Marine. Um, the, the one thing she uh, – well, she tries the whole write his name on a board thing.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've failed at that one before yeah. too. I've had success with it, but
1: – I've never tried it. But I, I – my – I, um, I'm not very good at board work either, yep. so I um, I have a, a certain thing where I write all the consonants first and then I put the vowels in later. So trying to do that in a disciplined moment would just be the kids to be like, well, they might be bemused and that might quiet them down.
0: He's such an but, English teacher. <laughs> Why is
1: that the English teacher <laughs> thing? It's a dyslexia consonants. thing.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I have a yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, um, but... Uh, yeah, it's okay, everyone. I'm adjusted to it. Yeah, no, I don't fine. know how to react to that. Yeah, I
0: feel terrible. <laughs> you can laugh at yeah, it. Yeah, look at the smile on my face. I feel terrible.
1: <laughs> but it was, it was never a go-to for me because I knew um, they would be like, what is wrong with Miss? So she had a you know, stroke whilst writing the word out. She's left all these spaces. You know, like, um, the, the next thing she does is leave the room.
0: Yeah, she ran off.
1: Never leave the room. It's so much harder to step back in
0: yeah. after that. But then, see, and this might be my sensitivity to working with kids who are similar to in the film. Um, she goes and knocks on the door of Hal. Uh, who are these kids? Rejects from hell? What happened to Miss Shepherd?
2: Well, she quit. Why? She was a very high-strung individual.
3: What, did she have a breakdown?
2: No. She quit before that. One of the substitutes, she had a breakdown. That's how they weed them out.
3: Who are these kids, rejects from hell?
2: No. They're bright kids with little or no educational skills and what we politely call a lot of social problems.
3: Damn it, Griffith, you could have warned me.
2: Hey, Luann, you said you wanted to teach. I mean, is that a load of bull or what? No! So teach!
3: I can't! What? I can't teach them!
2: Yes, you can. All you gotta do is get their attention. Or quit. It's a bit
0: harsh! In earshot of the classroom, too. Yeah. Uh, Both classrooms. But I mean, and there's that attitude as well, because, um,. Uh, There was that bit where they cut to Hal when he was working with his very well-behaved class Mm. and he goes, come on, come on, you know what they're like. So these are kids that everyone's kind of written off and the teachers have written off the students. So they're really, um, I don't want to use segregated because that's got other connotations in this context. They've really been separated from the rest of the student cohort in
1: that way. Yeah, it's a culture of dismissal of them as humans, as
0: entities. Yeah, yeah, yeah rejects from hell. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, saving grace, she went back in and went, no, nah, I'm not going to let them be rejects. I'm going to go and keep doing it. One might argue she was really desperate for that full-time job. Which she definitely <laughs> was.
1: But I, I like um, Hal's well words in those moments. He said, you said you wanted to teach, to so teach.
0: Yeah,
1: um, which is it? Come the the movie does come full circle to that. Is you don't have the right to choose who you want to teach. Yeah. You have to
0: teach. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's a really good point because when he said that, seeing you condescending prick, mm. you said you wanted to teach. Go on, off you go. You'll be right, love.
1: Oh, I didn't take it as that. I'm yeah. like, no, there are kids there waiting for you. Go teach them.
0: Um, a bit, the yeah. thing for me in that moment, he was ready to get stuck into the assistant principal for dumping her in that class. Mm. But then the next scene, that's your class. What did you expect? You want to teach? Off off you go. And you go, oh, well, you've had a bit of out-face about the situation now, haven't you? Yeah. That's human, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the man who stopped the
1: camera. I, guess, yeah. I did love um, talking about teacher presence, though, uh, with her very meek and um, mild presence when she first went into a room, and then you get that instant... Um, Contrast with how he re enters his classroom and he just yells, hey. You know, he yeah. just goes back in and <laughs> is like, That's presence. He just <laughs> enters the room.
0: Again, oh, I saw so much of myself in that. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Hello, kids. I'm here. Aren't you lucky? And then 25 groans. They know, Oh, you again. Then, You're <laughs> not going to bring me down, kids. I'm wonderful. But still, present. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And and I think that's a thing about um, building rapport. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm going to talk about this a bit through this podcast. Relationships with the students. Um, you need relationships, particularly with the students that uh, Luann had. You need those effective relationships where clearly Al has already built that relationship with his class to the point where he has enough confidence in his control over his classroom that he can step out into the hall and feel confident in not getting room apart.
1: Mm. Yeah, no. Uh, and in terms of uh, Luann's class, we are talking about a group of students who have been progressively taught by not only their families, but by other students and all of the teachers they've ever had that... Um, they're not worthy, and there is only one way to behave, and that's poorly because that's what everybody
0: expects of you. Uh, So, yeah. So, just on that, I want to talk about the theme of fighting the system. Mm. That came up a fair bit. Fighting the the man. Yeah. Um, Right at the beginning, she was told off for her use of karate because it was against school policy, and then... And you kind of look at it and go, you feel the outrage, saying, so these kids have been cast aside, she does one thing that starts to engage them, you go, no, no, that's against policy. Mm. You can't do that. Mm. You go, but it's working. No, no, it's against policy. And so she starts to go, well, screw the system. I need to get through to these kids. And he, the principal told her directly, stick to the script. She went, well, forget the script. We're doing poetry. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm not allowed to use that sentence about death. Well, we're going to do poetry about death. Mm-hmm. And then it never came up again. Yes. So she had gone way off the curriculum. Where was the meeting the next day and the next day and the, the disciplinary action because she's gone against the principal? So that that didn't play out in the film in the way it would have been in real life. You go two days in a row that you've or the system, the system's going to come back at you. But, but it never really did. No. Um, until she decided, oh, we're going to the fun park. Mm. And the system tried to come back at her. Oh, we just all turned on at the same time. It was <laughs> an accident. <laughs> I was so overcome. I paid for them. I mean, you go, that's brilliant. But did you notice through that meeting she was chewing on her lolly? Yes. <laughs> was, I loved that. It yeah, was such a stuffy you I <laughs> loved it. She, she became the student in the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a perfect choice. Um, and then talking more about the system. A teacher? You think I'm going to fucking talk to a teacher? Like, they're going to really help me out, mm-hmm. huh? Teachers going
2: to fucking
3: help me out. Miss Johnson! Miss Johnson, we got to talk. There's nothing to talk
2: about, Angela!
3: What are you, Superman? Is your ass bulletproof? Is that what you think? Tell her! Tell her what you're going to do. What is it? He's strapped.
2: Shut the fuck up! She don't need to know my business. Is your business dying? No! There's this crackhead named Shorty. He just came out of jail. He says that I'm his gun, that Emilio took me from him. And now he wants to kill Emilio.
3: Emilio, if this boy is threatening you, we can go to the police. Look,
2: this is nothing you could do anything about. This guy's looking for me to kill me, and the only way for me to stop him is for me to kill him first. It's just the way it is, right?
3: Emilia, wait, 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 wait. Can we can we talk about this? Come to my house. Yeah, right. What you're too proud to hide? It's better to wander the streets all night. Come on.
1: Please.
0: He why he had no trust in any of the systems. Luann worked so hard to get him to open up. Uh, And when he was in detention after that first fight with Raul, um, she started the psychology talk. And I just rolled my eyes so far back in my head when that started. Um, It was then they rolled straight back when Emilio called her on it straight away. And and it was that, oh, that's bullshit. Don't give me what you think you're going to come in here and fix it. And so it was this fight the system, fight the system, fight the system until she eventually wore him down. He saw that maybe there's some value. Then he went in and the principal acted like a tool Mm. and Emilio gets shot. So there's this constant message about, uh, for those kids, the system is not here to help you. But then someone who tries to fight that and goes, no, it is here to help you and here's how you cooperate, and then someone else goes, no, it's not here to help you, And now you're there. And and again, exaggerated for the film. There are so many examples of that happening all around society.
1: Yes, I I thought that was the the sadness is um, just that this is too likely and too probable. And I think we've all seen situations where, perhaps not quite um, with the death of a student happening, but where a kid reaches a turning point and you've got them that far, move them to that point, and then somebody just comes along and wipes all of that progress away with a, a stupid admin rule. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is uh, the problem, I guess, with any large-scale industrialised education programme. In, in that, in, You know what I mean? In, in the yeah. sense that there are these rules and kids that don't fit into normal society slots, um, those rules will never work for them.
2: Now, Ms Johnson, I'm taking into consideration the fact that you're new and therefore don't know that teaching karate is against school policy and can lead to a lawsuit in case of an injury. But you can avoid this kind of error if you simply follow the curriculum dictated by the Board of Education.
3: Well, um, sir, that's almost impossible. Um, most of my students don't even know what a verb is. If
2: you're going to teach them, I'm sure there's a better sentence than, We choose to die.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there are, but I-I-I needed a sentence that would get their attention, Mm -hmm. and, well, it had to be better than this.
2: (laughs) Miss Johnson, that is the approved curriculum for second period, your class. Now, I know that you are the teacher, the smarter she is, but I- I'm afraid you're just going to have to go along with our policies, even if you don't agree with them.
0: So, in your experience, Amy, because I know you've had a lot to do with systems of education, with past roles, you've, mm. what does your average teacher do when they're faced with a system end like that? You've got a principal who's just unsupportive, and you say, yeah, you've made these rules, but these kids need support in a different way, and we can make a real difference if you just bend on that rule a bit. So the teacher that's trying to get the principal to bend a bit, the principal just won't do it. What, what have you got that you could recommend? What's your experience trying to deal with that situation?
1: Yeah, um, well, my, my experience has been twofold. I used to work at a teacher regulatory body, but also um, I used to work at a union. Um, it, my experiences were more with early career teachers, so I'm not even going to pretend that I'm, I'm dealing with the people who have really bucked the system, because usually early career teachers haven't. But where a, a teacher has um, come unstuck against procedure because of something they did to try and help a student, the only response in the face of the system that I've ever seen actually really work is come back with more evidence, more reasons why this is the way it should be, and why the administration has got it wrong. Um, so it's, that takes work. And often, um, the teacher in that situation doesn't have that. What they've got is an instinctive reaction. They've done something because it feels right. This is the instinctual thing to do. And they know in the back of their head, probably due to good training, that this was the right thing to do for the student. So in those situations, sometimes it was my role to um, find the paperwork that backed them up.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) what I'm hearing is try not to let the emotion get to you. Go Mm. for the evidence.
1: Yeah. Or evidence-based practice will win every time. Because yep. nobody can argue successfully against evidence-based practice. Um, you, it, once you pull that out, everybody's going to say, well, okay.
0: Um, yeah, but that's not the way we do it here. But yeah, I've got the evidence to back up.
1: In my experience, once the teacher comes up against experience like that, they are so disillusioned with the school and that process that they're very, they're looking for another job yeah. pretty quickly, which is sad because they're the ones... If, if a school administrator was smart, they would see this crisis happen and then think, okay, you've got the guts and uh, the foot spots to do something about this, so um, you should be leading this change in the yeah. school and actually empower the person, but because people in themselves often don't have the confidence to let other people have power underneath them. We don't see as much of that. It's not That's not a universal slam against, there's a lot of <laughs> school administrators, principals who do exactly that, and they're, they're functional working schools. But often the sad thing is, is the teacher moves on to find something that matches yeah,
0: them. I think my experience was, um, when I was at the teaching unit, uh, our role was to support the student and teach them better strategies than telling their teacher to get stuff. Uh but also to be available to work with the teachers at the school. And the kids, uh, so a little bit of extra background, the kids came to the teaching unit for one term. Uh, the teaching unit isn't a school, so they weren't enrolled there. They were on placement there. They stayed enrolled main the main school. Sure. So then at the end of the term, they went back to their main school. We ran a bit of a reintegration program where they'd go back one day a week. So. We could go with the student, sit in class with them, be there to talk to their teachers, and then we'd go back to the unit and have a talk about, well, what did go well, what didn't go well, and you start working on things as we go. Fabulous program. Um, the kids who were successful, the ones whose uh, schools or teachers made adjustments. Yes. The schools or teachers who sent the kids to us to get them out of their hair for a term changed nothing when they came back. You know, it's that old thing. Um, doing the same thing the same way but expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Uh, so it was that. Oh, we sent them to you for a term. Now they're back. And you go, yeah, this kid, we've got a psychologist assessment that has identified this issue. You need to adapt to cater for that. If you don't adapt, you will continue to have the same problems. Um, so some of those times that I was working with teachers and beyond just working at the unit, my role at the teacher learning network program, I work with a lot of different people. The ones who don't change what they're doing end up having the same problems. And again, I think that my response is similar to yours. Presenting them with the evidence says, here is how you fix your problems. And sometimes it comes down to, all right, here's the problem, let's try and fix it rather than let's just do what's best for the student because that's our moral obligation to help students. But It's, oh, you have a problem, here's what will fix your problem when it comes to evidence-based stuff. Um, So fighting the system can be pretty challenging, but there's little things that you can do along the way without overturning the entire system.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she she was. Um...
0: And I think yeah, uh, I reckon the point you are about to make is that she kept going with the poetry, and she kept giving the rewards despite the principal saying, stick to the script.
1: Yeah, and it's commendable, but um, in all of that, I worry about resilience um, yeah. with a teacher, particularly a beginning teacher. She. You could see she was wearing herself down through the film, which I think it depicted rather well. Um, and being the one that's fighting, fighting the system, she yeah, she did have hell, but he wasn't exactly helping her system. He was just being supportive as a friend, and sure, that's a, that's a fine role to have. Um, but at the end of the year, she'd been fighting so hard, she was she was done. Um, and I really worry about. Burnout of beginning teachers who have different ideas, who have... She had the experience of the Marines. She, This is not an inexperienced woman coming in. She's got something that she can teach these kids. Um, she's got um, so much to offer them,
2: yeah.
1: and yet the system couldn't bend to accommodate her difference, let alone the students' difference.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: so, frustratingly real.
0: Yeah, Um, I want to move on to another thing that struck a chord with me. Working with kids, I don't like using the term disadvantaged, um, and there's a shift to move away from describing kids as at risk, uh, uh, to talk about describing students who are in a precarious situation, because it's not that they are at risk, it's they're precarious. Mm. and it's a subtle shift in implication, but the implication being um, there is, it's a situational thing mm-hmm. and it's potentially a momentary thing. Mm-hmm. They are precarious now, but they'll be fine soon. Sure. Uh, and it means that the focus which came up in the film, there is a pathway to move out of this position you're in, whereas those kids were described as lost, students from hell, at risk. They were rushed aside and forgotten. There was no way for them to get out. To the point where the grandmother of Darrell, um, when she went to visit, just went, I'm not raising no doctors. They don't need all that stuff. They're not going to school. They're going to be here where they can get jobs and earn money and do what they need to do. And it's that ingrained, this is our position. That stuff is out of reach to us. Completely understand where coming from. Mm. I don't live there. I don't know what going through. But the idea that those students will never have the opportunity to get into something that they might want to is pretty disappointing. Um, so on that note, this um, talking about students who are from precarious situations and are viewed as the tough kids, there were some pretty good portrayals of the uh, things that influenced them beyond the classroom. Mm. Um, Raúl talked. Uh, Raul's family. Raul was the first kid who was going to graduate high school. Um, so that is a huge thing. Um, The, what's her name? Kelly mm-hmm. uh, is pregnant, so she's going to have to drop out. Yeah. There's Helio um, who's got all of these issues with crime and other gangs, mm-hmm. uh, assumedly gangs, it wasn't specifically mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, all of this social stuff going on outside of school that means they can't concentrate on what they're in school because they're in survival constantly. Um, but then, This white bread teacher comes in to teach them and they start doing poetry and they go, hey, we're starting to learn something. And then now we're all going to sit in our chairs and face the front because she's giving us attention. And now it's all fixed. Now, I'm willing to admit that they were identified as bright kids, but that's a bit of a stretch. Um, They came good Really quickly. Very quickly. Um, and I worked with kids. The rules said that we had to accept kids for one term. But there are some kids who may have stayed extra term. Mm-hmm. Because one term is barely, one term being um, roughly 10 weeks, it's barely enough time to start scratching the surface of the issues that these kids are going through, which cause them to be. Um, disruptive, to to exhibit disruptive behaviours, to not fear what's going on. So if 10 weeks we can't manage to really get under the surface, I mean, this was a pretty rapid transformation for these students to go from complete outcasts disengaged with school to potentially highest achieving in the school because they've all been such a wonderful job. <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: to me it little bit unrealistic because it, it depicted changing one factor would improve their whole life,
2: yeah.
1: and that's not how. Well,
0: one person cares about me, so everything's fixed now.
1: Yeah, one person cares about me, and we're, we're studying poetry. We're fixed. Yeah, yeah it's like, no, there, there's a lot more going on there than the curriculum or um, whether a teacher cared or not. <laughs> there's so much more happening there.
3: It's not because you keep saying poetry. What's poetry got to do with this shit? Poetry? Well, because if you can read poetry, you can read just about anything, huh? When you're ready for poetry, you're
0: ready for bear. I said bring on the
2: bear. I'm always ready for bears.
0: The other thing that I hadn't thought about much till I had to deal with it, the students who were really disengaged, they, they'd come to the unit, and sometimes we'd have parents say, oh, I don't want I'm missing out on a whole term. And one of the lines that one of my colleagues said, was, well, if they don't come here, they're going to be at school not doing work for the next term. But if they come here, they won't do that work. But when they go back, they might actually be able to do the work. Yeah. And the parents go, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, the kids that I had the most to do with Hadn't been engaging in school for years. Yeah, this wasn't just a oh we got a bad teacher this year. So all of those students, one would argue, senior secondary. It's unlikely they've been doing much work since they started high school.
1: Yeah, and she goes very quickly from um, very simple sentences with yep. simple words that some of them were struggling to read yep. to Dylan Thomas. Bob Dylan.
0: The poems they give college students.
1: Yeah. There, there is no um, sense that there was any, okay, so um, this student is exhibiting three level uh, English yeah. skills, um, literacy skills. Uh, what are we going to do to get them up to ten level? There was none of that.
0: Um, yeah. I think the point that I, I, the reason I raise it is because it's not just I'm pointing out a yeah. flawed script. It's the recognition that when you have students who are disengaged, they need work that is suitable for them, that will challenge them at their level. Some of those students may have been perfectly capable of doing college-level poetry, but if they haven't engaged in school for a few years, chances are they needed some foundational work uh, that they weren't getting from when uh, and they're not going to get anywhere else uh, because that, that just hasn't been identified. I think one of the takeaway things for me, if I was to go back tomorrow, kids need work that's suitable for their current level. So work out what they are and aren't good at and give them appropriate work.
1: Yeah. No, she she taught directly to gifted and talented
0: Yeah. <laughs> And it was, okay, let's open our teacher's books to page 13. Oh, today we're doing conjugations and I'll write it up on the board and the students will turn around and listen. Yeah. You know, it's a very, um, it's it's not, I see it more as not teaching, instructing mm-hmm. uh, to the point where you could get any backpacker and just go read off page and write what's on the board and, and instruct, but it's not actually teaching because there's no evaluation, there's no feedback, there's no discussion, and there's no sense of we are building your learning to progress, sensible. Um, so, yeah, the thing that bothers me most is this idea: kids who are struggling, just get them on the hook. And then they'll be fine, and they'll catch up to all the rest of the kids. Okay. No, it's not that simple. If you've got a kid who's exhibiting disruptive, disengaged behaviours, you need to work out what they need for their education. Yeah.
1: Speaking of hooks, because Hal tells her to you know find the thing that interests them.
0: Chocolate Bob, certainly works.
1: Yeah, candy definitely works, absolutely. But um, Bob Dylan, for a.
0: Uh. So, Bob Dylan is my father in law's favourite poet. <laughs> <sighs> um, I don't think he fits the same demographic as those kids.
1: <laughs> no, right? And Dylan Thomas. but um, So, Luann Johnson, when she's uh, talked about this, the real Luann Johnson. She's talked about um, actually doing rap with the kids yeah. and bringing in public enemies 911 as a joke a song and then the asking the students to bring in um, song lyrics that they wanted to um, to look at and in her project the the students actually brought in yeah they brought in rap but they also brought in like jazz and heavy metal and country they brought in a range um, but this film, just presupposes that you can put two white male um,
0: <laughs>
1: texts onto these this group of disaffected kids who have chosen so-called
0: minorities.
1: Yeah, but they've chosen to disengage with the dominant culture.
0: Yeah,
1: and then yeah, you're gonna oh, just poor like, uh, text selection. Um, I think what to draw these two what you were talking about, what I I'm talking about here is you've clearly got a writer of a film. So Luann Johnson is, is considered the writer, but there were other writers in there writing yeah. a screenplay. Who obviously had no comprehension of what it was like to be without words. Yep. Writing what they think should happen.
0: Yeah. Um you in know, a we're, we're just trying to put a script together to make the story move on as well. So yeah, but Some credit, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't on. really fit.
1: No, no, no. It's just like, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm down off my high horse, so <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to cut a little bit of stuff. The I'm not.
1: <laughs> I, I think that wordsmiths who are so very comfortable with words, trying to write a script that depicts people who aren't comfortable with words is always going to be play. um And obviously, they didn't do their research,
2: um,
0: <laughs> so didn't listen to the author of.
1: Them. No, well, yeah, you have the text right
0: there. <laughs> anyway. Script's already written. Just use the book. Yes, Johnson. Who's that? Yes,
3: Callie. If you want to get the class to listen,
0: get Emilio. Um, you know, the other thing that I wanted to highlight, the, uh, the bit about get Emilio and you get the rest of the class. Mm. Gee, little king. Yeah. Like, Yes, there are plenty of situations where you get a key student and the rest settle, but there was, what, 25 kids in that room? Yeah. There were at least three different cliques. Yeah. Get Emilio, you get Emilio's clique, which may be the most disruptive, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you haven't got all the kids. Uh, And so when she finally started getting through to Emilio everyone just kind of settled. And you go, yeah, well, that's not quite right because there's always a kid. One of the things I learned, and I can't remember where it came from, it may have just been a common teacherism, but if you get rid of one rowdy kid, another one stands up to take their place. So you cut Emilio down, you get him on side, you get him hooked whatever. Another kid then becomes the loudest, rowdiest kid. So that wasn't portrayed, which is, again, unrealistic. And really, I hesitate to use the word insulting, but I'll use offensive instead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, all of these kids presumably have some sort of challenging issue in their life, which is why they are dumped into that class. Oh, yeah, I got Emilio doesn't give any credence to the other issues that are going on in the other students' lives. Young girl is pregnant, scared, has to leave school, emotional turmoil, hormonal turmoil. She's going to have some bad days. doesn't matter what you do to Emilio she's going to have bad days. Yeah. But all through that, no, she was the model student who just wanted to get along. Calm as anything. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's wonderful to see a portrayal of a young black girl who's trying to be sensible and achieve has her head screwed on right, which was not a common thing back then mm-hmm. and is more common now, not yeah, enough. Not enough. Um, but the reality is... Each of those kids is going to have things that sets them off. So throwing poetry at them, while I'm on that, only two poets for the entire year. Was it a whole year or is it the end of the oh, year? I don't
1: know. Yeah. I don't know, but oh, I'll I tell you what. It's I a meteoric
0: it. rise if, it, if she only came in towards the end of the year because they did a lot of uh, yeah. um, learning in a short amount of time. But if you assume they, if you assume they did that much learning over the space of a year, I only went over two poets. Like I know they're good, but you know that's a lot of expectation on the amount of poetry they've got. I,
1: um, I, 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 I'm an English teacher. I love poetry. I no way would I spend that much time on yeah, that. Yeah, that's it, right. Because well, for one thing, there's a lot more to learn than yes. just these
0: two blokes' <laughs> view of the world.
1: But um, yeah, yeah it's
0: not exactly the comprehensive curriculum.
1: No, no, but it is better than My Darling, My
0: Hamburger. Hey, don't knock the classics.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because at this point, everyone has an A. But it's up to you to keep it. Bullshit!
2: Yo,
3: you
0: yeah. shut up, man. What if it ain't bullshit? I ain't never had no fucking A before. Um, so, the last point that I want to raise um, today uh, is about expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about the fact that she went in and just said everyone has an A. Now your challenge is to keep it. Um, that's a really good shift in the expectation she's placing on the students. Because those students are sitting there used to teachers going, I expect you to work hard and work up to an A. And they're going, I haven't done work for years. There's no way I can achieve an A, so I'm not even going to pull myself out. Whereas Luann comes in and says, you've got an A, now see if you can keep it. That changes their mindset so much. And it's a really effective thing to do. As you say, it is possible for you to achieve there is now a way for you to reach your goal. And I am here to give you more so that you can keep staying at that goal. Um, And then, what a wonderful parent-teacher moment. I love that scene.
3: You have a lovely family, Mrs. Sanchera. Thank you.
2: We know why you're here, Ms. Johnson. I warned Raul to stay out of trouble.
3: He's first in our family to maybe graduate high school.
2: So he going to get punished big for what mm. he done. <clears throat>
3: Don't you worry about that. But he didn't do anything wrong.
2: But he expelled for three
3: I know. Days. no, I know. But he didn't start the fight. He was defending himself from a bigger boy. He was protecting himself. oh well, why they send him home? It's just school policy. It gives the other boy time to cool down. Actually, I'm here because I just wanted to tell you both personally what a pleasure it's been having Raúl in my class this semester. You must be very proud. Yes. He's, um, well, he's very bright, funny, articulate. The truth
0: is, he's, he's one of my favourites. And it, it makes me regret that I wasn't able to put more time aside to do this when I was teaching because the job of teaching got in the way so much. The positive feedback to the family, the pride in the parents' eyes when they hear He's doing really well, and I just wanted to let you know he's doing well. And Raul, who was expecting to get torn to shreds because he'd been in a fight, goes, she's here, and she's saying nice things about me. And maybe that, again, resonates with me because of my teaching experience. The kids that I worked with at the teaching unit, some of the more difficult kids that I had was in a mainstream school setting, Parents are so used to being called every couple of weeks because there's been a problem with their kid to find a reason to call them to say things are going well and your kid's done a good job. Not only is it refreshing, it, it's that sense of pride and it makes them feel like well, my whole life isn't just a horrible mess, there's something going right. And it was really well portrayed in that scene.
1: Yeah, I. I love that scene. Uh, I worked with um, uh, one of the schools yeah. I was working at girls were very, very um, gifted, talented. Extremely high achievers. When I spoke to the parents there was still the same tension in the room of parents expecting more of their young girl. Um, and I have had those moments. So there hasn't been a discipline problem. There hasn't been any sort of problem really, but being able to tell the parents, your child is doing quite well, lay off. Yeah. Stop expecting so much and just take a moment to, you know, appreciate what has grown here yeah. is a well-rounded individual. And in those moments I would often talk about anything except academic achievement yeah. uh, and really focus on what else they had done in the school community or how they've been. Yeah, so how they've
0: developed. Person. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So um, I've had similar experiences, but it hasn't ever been from a, a discipline
0: situation like you've been in. Yeah, mm. and, and I've had more of those situations being in a mainstream school. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some parents who's, who don't have it all together. Yeah. And life is a great big challenge because they've got so many balls to juggle. So to get a phone call to say, hey, let you know things are going really well, you should be proud is a moment to go, to be celebrated. And Luanne, consciously or not, celebrated kids' achievements really well and gave them the feedback that they needed to say, you are doing a job when
2: you do this.
0: And that was a new experience to those kids. And so once they started getting treated like they mattered, all of a sudden they started behaving like they mattered. And mm. can make The biggest challenge I found, um, and I know many other teachers I've worked with have found, is letting go of your emotions to allow that to happen, because it's so emotionally taxing. And again, it was portrayed really well when she was lying in bed, stressing about what she was going to do with the students and the problems they were in. Um, But she was able to treat them like they mattered. They responded accordingly, and she was able to let go of the emotion of that very first run-in. Intimidating and threatening, and instead of lashing out or responding badly, well, she did respond badly. she ran out of the room, Mm. but instead of letting her emotions drive her actions in all her interactions with the students, she went, all right, no, this is on you, and here's your choice. And all the discussion of choice, it was very much you can choose. This is language I used a lot when I was teaching. You can choose to stay or you can choose to go is the consequences for either. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now make your informed choice. I'm here if you choose to be here. But if not, that's your choice. Off you go.
1: What I liked about the film is that it shows complexity, that growth. So she, she fails at the beginning. She she can't keep the emotions stable and has to run out. Yeah. And then she learns to put it back onto the student. That uh, and she develops a little bit of a callus. And then um, when Emilio dies, she the callus is torn away and she's she's red raw again. The emotions are getting her. I love. But she's in control. She's in control. No, but and the I'm students sorry, they respond. They respond. And yeah, because they've got that um, uh, rapport. rapport at that point. But what I loved is that it does show that it's not um, a steady ex- escalation up, 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 up into professional. I'm able to do this, and I'll never feel it again. It was yeah. a no. I'm down. I've, I've, i collapsed. I had it together. I've lost it, and then I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna find how to get myself back Th- together. Yeah, again. you've just reminded me. There was oh. that moment where she got told off by the principal for something, and she was in class sitting there staring blankly, yes. not responding. Yeah. And it's that thing. It's I'm here for you guys, and you guys are fine pissed off with the system mm. and by that point the kids understood that she was there for them so they knew she's pissed off which only strengthens the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids felt important Yeah, and they needed that's someone wonderful. to make them feel important Yeah, no. and even when they mucked up, she still said they were important and that's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Getting yourself into legally compromising situations, maybe not the best way to do it, Having mm. a student over to your house, having a private dinner at an exclusive restaurant with a student. Yeah. You know, there's, there's better ways to make kids feel important. None but of
1: these things are really good, but really, just really quickly on that dinner, um, what I thought that film really showed quite well in that moment was uh, the lack of cultural experience that it takes yeah. to step up and succeed in another. You know, talk about society as a stratified experience. He had none of the vocabulary of both in terms of words or behavior yep. for that setting so i thought it's a very sound educational moment where you take a a, a student who's never had that experience and give whatever else takes for granted the experience of sitting in a a fairly nice restaurant Got tablecloths.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the napkin that he went to tuck into his neck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that goes the other way as well. She had none of the language that she needed to understand what rubble would come from. Mm. Uh, I didn't have a jacket, so I had to get a jacket because that's what you do. Now I owe this guy 200
2: bucks, mm-hmm. and,
0: and you could see her face going, I had no idea giving you this treat would cause all this.
1: I love that through the film. She, she gives treats or she, she does something and we do see the the yeah, outcome I love, of that. Yeah. I, I oh, love yeah.
0: that. Um, and, and I know I said the last one was the last one, um, but we used to take the kids out on excursions like that. We'd take them to a cafe so that they could practice being in a cafe because a lot of them, um, parents hadn't taken them. So we took them out for a meal where they were in public and they had to sit and behave and not run around and throw food. Had to talk to a, waitra- a waiter or waitress. Um, they had to be polite to staff. They had to work out how much money they had to pay for their people. And these are all the life skills that they weren't getting in their personal life. Mm-hmm. So again, Raul was getting an experience that he wasn't getting in his home life. Um, it's just she hadn't really considered all the factors that impact on that. Yeah, legally not the right oh, way to well, do that yeah. no industrially yeah. lots of problems but um and yeah, the, the yeah. go to the fun park I thought was great because legally yeah no permission slips and all that but you know nothing to really pin on her because it just happened to me. yeah it wasn't <laughs> a school thing whoops you go yeah well that would be frowned upon yeah do first ask for forgiveness later yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah frowned upon but nothing legally to, to punish how did she afford it on teacher salary? Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and she even made that joke yeah. at one point throughout. <laughs> um, so that does bring us um, the long way round to the end of um discussion, which leaves me with a few questions. So, Amy, do you think this was an accurate portrayal of teaching? I think the first half
1: of the film is fair picks a an early career teachers stumbling through doing things and experiencing the consequences of doing those things and, and I don't just mean against administration but the consequences of what you said to the students or the consequence of intervening in a fire or all of those things I, I liked that every time I picked up the pen to write something down for this podcast oh a teacher wouldn't do that the next scene was well Yes, they the, would. <laughs> yeah, they would, but the repercussions yeah. of when that happened. So the film didn't glide over those
0: too much. I'm gonna go and unconditional, yes. Huh. All the things that she did that were questionable, teachers do that every day. Mm-hmm. The legal legally questionable things that she did, teachers do every day. Yeah. It's not widespread, but you know, I look back to some of the things I did, like uh, going on excursions and we'd take a kid signed a up because we didn't want the kid to miss out, or getting a trusted grade six to go and um, get something out of my car in the middle of class time, like things like that. that you just make these little decisions, but when you step back and go uh, look at it on paper, what on earth was that person doing with that child in that place? Yeah. And you go well. We had to bring sports equipment, so we just went and did it because I trust that kid. And we've got rapport, and I'm, it's a community of yeah, trust. Yeah, and you yeah. go, but these things happen. They happen. They were exaggerated for the yeah. the fight the system. The principal and the assistant principal. I, I really hope they were exaggerated. Oh, gee, I've met some people. Far off that, yeah. so I'm going with unconditional yes. It was pretty accurate, maybe not all in the one spot though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, So I think we've already answered this. Is this relevant to teaching today? Sadly,
1: yes, very relevant.
0: Same issues, same same discussion. Um, was it a good show?
1: I really liked it. I still cry when Emilio Aww. dies. I know. I think I described it as the twee part of the film, but. It still gets me. Um, I've
0: got to admit, it didn't get me to my no tears, but it's <laughs> no
1: oh, a bit sad. Yeah, no, I gave it a try. Um, but, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's a good movie. For all the things that I can pick on about it, there's not much that portrays what this portrays um, as effectively as this portrays too, so the
1: Yeah, film. I've heard people liken it to... Um,
0: Films like uh, So it
1: Would Love to say Love. I think it's grittier in yep. a lot of ways. And, it, and it's not a perfect film, but it's not depicting a perfect thing.
0: No. So, But it's depicting a real struggle with some cultural sensitivity and some accuracy. So. Mm. Yeah. Um, good movie with an annoying soundtrack. How's that? <laughs> um, and Amy. Would this inspire someone to go into teaching?
1: Well, I have to admit it's one of the films that brought me into teaching. So
0: i see
1: I've always been a supporter of this film. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it 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 inspired me. Absolutely. Not to teach I never
0: taught Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's still time. Um, unconditional, yes again. This film shows everything it is to be a teacher, the emotional roller coaster, both the lows and the amazing highs when students succeed. Teacher that The only thing this could have had was more um just of the school recognizing that those students were doing well, even showing them where it's waiting, and I can see everyone else who've written us off we told you so.
1: I like that it didn't do that. Yeah, I like a neat resolution. Ah, I like that. No, we'll be back next year and it'll be just as
0: bad. I like that. Um, I really do. You know, the funny thing I had is when I left mainstream schooling to go on a teaching unit, I had a student who was the exact line. Um, Why are you leaving? I said, Well, I'm going to another place because there's students there that I think I can help. There are students here that need you. <laughs> just kind of split. Um, I'd been at that school for six years, and this kid was in grade five. So uh, since she was in, uh, since she began it at school, I wasn't going to have it. It was just that thing of, "But you belong here. You can't leave because you belong here." And I went, "Well, yeah. There's other reasons too for why leaving, but <laughs> yeah, yeah." And yeah. so that whole thing, that leaving as twee as it may have been. All the kids turning up to confront and say you need to stay. It's real for kids because it actually happened, which was an amazing, heartbreaking thing. Yeah, it didn't change my mind. So you know. Well, by then contracts <laughs> are signed, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I never really saw much about the contracts. No, so contract. She just kind of changed their mind. I'll come back yeah, now. I'm just yeah, gonna, yeah. Oh, there's
1: still a job for you here. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, no, it's happened to me as well, and it is heartbreaking at the moment. Um, Particularly, I was teaching senior kids who – so they're just about to hit their last year of school and that revelation of, what, you're leaving? Yeah. What are we going to do? Is like, well, you're going to have an equally good teacher who will come in and you'll do amazing things with that teacher.
0: Yeah, you say that. Um, you know no one's as good as you are. You <laughs> say
1: that. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, that moment. Um, the moment that um, got me in the school, uh, this this film is um, – a kid calling me white bread—that um, has happened to me—and um, I think because I'd seen this film, I turned around and just said, "No, multigrain." And the kid didn't know how to react to that, and I just sort of sat down. And went, oh, she's ethnically diverse. Okay. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Not. White she beat
0: bread. me with her brains. I'm, I'm out of my class now. Uh, so that brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, Thank you for your um, discussion, Amy. I know this is one of your favourites, so.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much for inviting me to do Dangerous Minds.
0: And a big thank you to Erin Ma, who is our cultural diversity officer, uh, who's been able to provide all the information we needed. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you at the movies next time.
1: Teacher Learning Network is a professional development provider based in Australia. For one flat yearly fee, you can access as much professional development as you like online. There are membership structures for schools and teachers. For more information, go to tln.org.au. See you online. TLM is co-sponsored by the Australian Education Union, Victorian branch, and the Independent Education Union Victoria Tasmanian Branch. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as Teacher Learning Network and on Twitter as at TLN Update.
0: This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network.
2: eon.net.au